Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. EA, Ethan Greenberg here on the pod. On today's episode, we're talking draft. We're talking potential trade-up options, potential trade-back options, and sandwiched between those two, Olivia Landis caught up with NFL Network Steve Weich. So EA, first of all, it's a beautiful day today here on April Fool's Day, Wednesday, the 1st of April. The greetings, I'm pumped. Listen, anytime the weather's like this, we get an opportunity to get outside, get some solitary exercise, no doubt about that. I don't even like to call it social distancing anymore. It's physical distancing. Make sure you're able to get outside, smile at somebody. Um, again, I'm so pumped to be able to talk NFL football. We're winding down free agency, I would say, Greens. And, you know, we've been gearing up the podcast uh, towards the draft, we have some exciting analysts coming on in the weeks ahead. Uh, you know, it, it's a good day, man. The great thing about the draft, staying put April 23rd to 25th, is that it gives us something to look forward to, given that there really are no sports going around. It was just announced that Wimbledon is now canceled. But w- without further ado, let's talk about the draft. The Jets hold the 11th pick in the first round, the 11th pick overall. And In every mock draft or most mock drafts, they don't project trades, and we're not going to project what the Jets will do, but we're going to talk about a couple hypothetical situations on where it could make sense for the Jets to move up. And let's start in the first round, and I know that most pundits think that the Jets are probably taking a receiver or an offensive tackle, and in terms of the tackles, the Jets might not have their selection that they want at 11 if they sit back and let the draft come to them. So they might have to turn a little aggressive and leapfrog a couple teams to get one of these guys, EA. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that Joe Douglas, Rex Hogan, Phil Savage, Chad Alexander and company, listen, they're setting their board, and they're not going to reach. You cannot reach at any point in the draft. The tie goes to position of need, no doubt about that. And when we look at the Jets' greens, We'll continue to say it. Is four needs stick out at you right now? Offensively, you mentioned wide receiver and tackle, of course, and then defensively, cornerback and edge will continue to be an emphasis. I don't think that's going to change. I like the Jets' position at number 11, but if you love a guy, Greens, then you go up and get him. I would imagine it's probably unlikely. I think it's more likely as we sit here today that the Jets stay there or possibly even move back. But in the scenario as we talk about it at the start of the show is, could they move up? Yeah, I think that if they do decide to move up, and obviously this is just hypothetical, the teams that you're looking to leapfrog probably include the Arizona Cardinals at 8, most likely include the Cleveland Browns at 10 if you're trying to peg which teams are selecting offensive linemen. And I know a a couple months ago, Dane Brugler of The Athletic had a mock draft trade where the Jets actually went up from 11 to 7 with the Carolina Panthers leapfrogging then both the Cleveland Browns at 10 and the Arizona Cardinals at 8. But I wonder what your thoughts are on it. I know that I don't remember the exact compensation in this hypothetical, but I know for a fact that it was at least one of the third round picks, uh, whether that was the Giants original pick that's now the Jets because of the Leonard Williams trades at 68, which is the third pick in that round, or their own pick at pick 79. But what do you think about going up from 11 to 7? 
As far as compensation, I'm not sure. Like, I think it would cost you at least a three. It's going to cost you more than that, frankly. Uh, but we should keep in mind here, Greens, the Jets have the four picks in the top 79, and you just told me before we started taping, uh, those at, the exact numbers are 11, 48, 68, 79. You have two in the third round. I'm kind of looking at teams. You mentioned Carolina and the Dane Brugler example. Very interesting because that's a team that's starting their program, right? They have a new coach. Um, they parted ways with Cam Newton in the offseason, brought in former Jet Robbie Anderson, who played under rule at Temple. But that team is kind of in a transition period. So would they want to stockpile? Arizona, they landed the big-time receiver, maybe arguably the top receiver in the National Football League already in DeAndre Hopkins. Do they want to add another tackle to the mix, even though they did that as well in the spring? And then sitting right in front of the Jets, two intriguing teams are Jacksonville and Cleveland because Jacksonville, much like Carolina, I know it's not the first year of that program per se, but they've done a lot of house cleaning there, Greens, and stockpiling picks. And the trade might be on the way for Yannick and Ngakwe. And then you have Cleveland sitting there at 10. I'm almost assured right now as we sit here that Cleveland is going to take a tackle. Cleveland will take a tackle whether whether they're picking at 10 or they've moved up. I think the most interesting thing about the Cleveland Browns in terms of a tackle is they signed Jack Conklin, who was the right tackle for the Titans. He played left tackle in college. So I wonder, like, does that limit who the Browns are going to take? Like, do you think that they would take a pure left tackle or somebody that at least has experience on the left side, like Andrew Thomas or Mekhi Becton, whereas somebody like Jedrick Wills, who's ranked by a lot of people as the draft's top tackle, maybe he's not as high on their board because they don't they don't know if if they want to make him make that transition to the left side. Like, I think that's a fascinating debate. But the one thing that I think that's going overshadowed here. When you look at the Jets, they do have ammunition with four picks in the top 79. But to me, where does that come into play? It might not necessarily be the first round. And this is Chad Reuter of NFL.com talked about this. He actually pegged the Jets as a potential trade target to go back into the first round at pick number 31 with the Niners because the Niners don't have a second round pick. Or I think it was a second through fourth round pick. They don't, they need some capital there and the jets definitely have the capital to jump up. I think that's a fascinating idea that we haven't talked about. Well, of course not because everybody, as you know, so well brings speaks in terms of the draft as it basically ends after the first round while there's seven rounds. And then you have your priority undrafted free agents that you get on the horn with and hope to bring in. Uh, a few and and hidden gems per se. Maybe guys, there's a lot of good players in the National Football League who did not get drafted. But yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Uh, I'm glad you brought up that example because I, I don't think okay necessarily that's the most likely scenario is a, going up from 11. It's actually later on in the draft. Is it? Packaging one of those threes or two of those threes to do something down the line, maybe getting back up into the first round, which uh, your example noted, Chad Ruder uh, from 
NFL.com or or doing some work there in the second round because this draft has a lot of depth at certain positions that extends well beyond that first round. So when we think about trade up, I know people automatically go, oh, 11 up. I don't think necessarily we should just think that way. We got to expand our horizons is that where you could potentially see the Jets moving up are rounds two and three and even on that third day, four. So it's even, this is kind of like a guessing game because Joe Douglas is, it's his first year as general manager. So we don't know his tendencies, but everybody that we've spoken to from the time Joe was hired to present, which includes stop at the senior bowl and the combine and other tent pole events. Everyone says, well, look at his past stops, particularly Ozzie Newsome more so than Howie Roseman in Philadelphia. But just looking at those two guys in terms of trading back into the first round and trading up to get the guy you want. Well, how about this? The Ravens, Ozzie Newsome's last draft, talk about going out with a bang. He traded back into the first round to select the MVP of last season in Lamar Jackson. And then Howie Roseman, when the Eagles selected Dallas Goddard in the second round, they leapfrogged the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles wanted Andre Dillard last season. I believe they leapfrogged the Houston Texans. So you're not necessarily looking at top of the line, top of the draft trades, but to what we're talking about, it wouldn't shock me if Joe Douglas and the staff says, you know what, we really want that guy. And he's available, let's say, late second round to package one of the, those third-round picks to get that guy. That would not surprise me. And to your point, I think that could be more likely than trading up from 11. But we shall see. And on the other side, we're going to talk about potential trade-back options because it seems like that might be more likely for the Jets. But without further ado, here's Olivia Landis and Steve Weich. Obviously, with the coronavirus pandemic going around, this has had a lot of effects on not only football, but sports in general. Oh, yeah. But when we look at the NFL, specifically with free agency already underway and the NFL draft coming up soon, what kind of effects or lasting effects do you think this will have on the league in regards to free agency and the draft? Yeah, this is this is going to have, you know, several different impacts. First off, as horrible as it may sound, the NFL is catching a break. I mean, look, Major League Baseball was supposed to start. The NBA and NHL were midseason. The NFL is kind of on its normal calendar. So games and things like that are not being impacted. But like you said, free agency and the draft, the biggest impact will be on the medical issues for these draft picks. And for some of these free agents, and let's use Cam Newton as an example. I mean, this is one of the best players in the NFL. He is a man without a team right now, in part because teams, they can't get their own doctors in to look at him for that foot surgery and the shoulder surgery. I mean, he's putting out videos. He's doing what he can. I'm sure he's providing a lot of medical reports to teams. But it's going to be interesting to see how this is slow played. Same for the draft. I don't think it would affect someone like Tua Tungvaluwa's draft status. I think he's going to be a top five pick regardless because the teams that may draft him have a bridge quarterback that could play a season if need be, like Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami or Tyrod Taylor with the Chargers. But for some late-round guys or mid-round guys, the fact that they can't get these medicals, the fact that teams can't get their hands on these guys or do medical rechecks, that's going to cause a problem. And, and the biggest thing with this, Olympia, We've heard for years um, the teams with the most experienced and the deepest scouting departments always do well. 
Mm-hmm. That's going to be hugely important because now teams can't bring in guys for interviews. They are going on their in-person scouting when they view these guys in practices and games in the fall and film. And then some of these video interviews like you and I are doing now. So it's, it's going to be a lot tougher to evaluate players because they can't look at them eye to eye, can't get the medicals. There's going to be some misses, but there's also going to be some surprise hits. Well, you mentioned the NFL draft. I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. I know how you said the medical part is going to play a big role in free agency. But when it comes to the draft with some of these players, is it also safe to say that free agency and how that affects those players because that can then maybe cause an effect in the draft for teams? Well, that's in any year. Like we saw right now how the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Dolphins didn't go out and sign a free agent quarterback, even though the Chargers made a run at Tom Brady. So that tips the hand that that's likely the position they're going to draft early. Okay, so but th- but this isn't any given year. Some teams fill the voids like the ch- like the Colts. Instead of them drafting a quarterback at 13 or trading up for it, they traded for defensive tackle DeForest Buckner and signed Phillip Rivers. So those are two positions in the first round. Well, they don't have a first round pick, but those are two positions that they're probably not going to address in the early part of the draft because they dealt with those in free agency. So. That's a lot of the domino with this. Then we see a team like the Patriots drafting 23rd overall. They lose Tom Brady. They've made some subtle moves. And, you know, they signed, you know, a veteran quarterback. They've got Jared Stidham there. But they're still going to be in position to draft a quarterback or to trade for one. Let's say for Derek Carr. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm throwing out there hypothetically. But but that's just the dominoes that are, that are still in play because we're going to see some trades on draft day. Because some of these teams, like the Dolphins and Raiders, have got plenty of draft equity to move up and down. The 49ers, the same. Um, But that part of it's not going to be greatly impacted by what's going on right now. I want to dive a little bit more specifically into what you do, Steve. You're all over the NFL. You've been covering it for many years now. How has this impacted the way you've been able to cover all of these teams and what's been going on? Well, big time. Um, You know, look, normally, you know, I'm based in Los Angeles. But mm-hmm. at this moment, I would be in Florida at the NFL's owners' meetings. I mean, they're, they're discussing a lot of things right now, like adding an extra playoff game, uh, expanding the Rooney rule. There's a lot of, you know, how they're going to deal with the season right now. Um, mm-hmm. But we're home. Okay, everything is teleconference. These owners are doing this video conferencing. And, and so that impacted. We, our studios are closed. We can't yeah. get in there. Like, nobody's traveling. We don't have uh, like our total access shows or good morning football. We can't have studio shows live right now because of the social distancing and just some of, you know, the NFL has gone above and beyond what some of the, the governmental orders are in terms of just shuttering the building and everybody working remotely. So technologically, it's tough. Um, yeah. Some things I'm doing, like I am recording and I am doing um, a couple live projects. But what this has forced me to do, and I kind of love it, is I'm an old writer. This has wow. forced me now to do some things on the written platform, so digitally. You know, I've got a couple mm-hmm. projects coming out this week that will be digital, accompanied by video processes, which might be easier for because of some of our technological things to get out on the web, um, easier than maybe do it, you know, broadcast-wise, you know, into that vertical, um, just because of some of the technological things we're dealing with, you know, operating remotely. Yeah. I love that. I, I had no idea that you were an avid writer. Can we get like a little sneak peek or is, or do we have to wait? Well, I will be uh, actually I've got a big piece coming out on NFL.com tomorrow um, Amazing. about okay. 
what players are doing right now, how they're staying in shape. Um, it, it's, it's interesting um, because right now guys usually are with private trainers, but draft picks, a lot of them are, are training yeah. at their uni- usually train at their universities. They're closed right now. So what are they doing? You know, nobody knows when this is going to start. So mm-hmm. some trainers I spoke with are being very careful about not pushing guys like they normally would because OTAs typically start in April, right? Yeah. So they'd be getting guys in, in prime shape. So when they step on the field in April, they're not pulling any muscles and this and that. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not pushing that hard right now because OTAs and all and mini camps are suspended indefinitely. Suppose they don't come until June. They want to burn a guy out. So by the time they get to June, they've got nothing left. So mm-hmm. it's a really interesting piece on what some guys are doing to try to stay in shape, to manage things, and how a bunch of young men in their 20s are social distancing in their free time. I mean, sure, some of them are this still playing crazy, video games. Yeah. yeah, but these guys aren't hanging out or doing things that they mm-hmm. normally do. So I, I've got a really cool piece on that coming up. Well, looking forward to it real quickly. Where can people find that? So when people watch this, they know where to find your stuff. Yep, that'll be on NFL.com, and I'm awesome. sure we'll uh, we'll put links out on the NFL media, NFL Network, and on my Twitter platform, social platforms. I'm at Weich, W-Y-C-H-E-89, old jersey number. Perfect. We can't can't wait to see that. It's a very interesting piece. I'm glad somebody's talking about it because, yeah. like you said, this isn't something we've seen ever before. So each guy has to be handling it differently, you know, especially when you think of some of these guys just coming into the league, some yep. of the guys that are getting ready to get drafted compared to – the guys who have been around for a little bit longer. So. And let's not kid ourselves. Even though they're in the NFL, there are some players who need some structure Absolutely. and need, need to be kind of under somebody's thumb to work out diligently. Yeah, some guys true. right now who are sitting around working out two or three times a week and you know ordering some late-night pizza and eating Cheetos who aren't staying in the proper shape, they're going to be exposed. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be real interesting to see how guys handle this offseason who's really committed um, – and let's not kid ourselves. I mean, this is a boon for these private trainers. Mm-hmm. These guys are going to make it a ton of money because these guys are going to because players are going to be paying them to keep them in shape. Um, whereas, again, normally these guys would be working out with their teams by mid-April because of OTA. So, just mm-hmm. another adjustment people are going to have to make. It's kind of a lot like the lockout year in 2011. Yeah. When players were locked out, there was still a draft, but nobody had any place to go. And then mm-hmm. in July, when everything got settled. Late Russian training camp, conditioning, season started, wasn't the prettiest of football for two or three weeks, but then everything kind of came together. Thank you to Olivia and thank you to Steve. Always great hearing from Mr. Weich of NFL Network. And EA, let's now talk about the trade back options. And again, let's start at 11 because that's the Jets' first election. In what hypothetical scenario, should I say, do you envision a trade back being likely for Joe Douglas and the Jets? Well, let's just play this out. Todd McShay's latest mock draft, he had the Jets going for the fantastic receiver out of Alabama, Jerry Judy. We've been talking all along that who's going to be playing across from Perryman now. Uh, Perryman, you would think that he takes the spot of Robbie Anderson, and we know Jameson Crowder's still in the mix. And then there's uh, some question marks uh, as far as Quincy Nunez's health, also uh, Vincent Smith is a young guy who's uh, showed some things, especially uh, last season, coming in and playing and things like that. But not to get off point, is the McShay scenario is an instance where maybe the trade down makes sense because 
look at the names that he has at 12 through 15 greens. 12, he has C.D. Lamb going right after Jerry Judy out of Oklahoma to the Las Vegas Raiders. Then he sticks with that receiver position. He says that the Jets are going to start the run of receivers. San Francisco uses that pick they just acquired from the Colts, and they take Henry Ruggs, the speedster, the absolute burner out of Alabama. Then the Buccaneers at 14 go Mackay Becton, that tackle out of Louisville started at the right side and then finished up on the left side. We know that. And then Andrew Thomas goes to the Broncos at 15. At 16, you're talking about Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina, the interior menace going to Atlanta. But that's a run of five or six pick screens where you're like, I could see potentially all those guys fitting in with the New York Jets. And on the other side of that, there have been mock drafts where three or four of the top offensive tackles have come off the board by the time the Jets are on the clock at 11. So it wouldn't surprise me if maybe if that's the case, Joe Douglas and his staff are like, you know what, let's trade back a couple spots. Maybe somebody wants to come up for the top receiver. I know I saw a mock draft that had the Broncos going from 15 to 11 so they could have their pick of the litter at receiver and then the Jets ended up selecting I don't remember who it was and I think it was actually Jedrick Wills fell to 15 in this mock draft and then I saw another mock draft where the Jets actually traded back with the Falcons at 16 who came up to take Caleb on chase on and who's the edge rusher out of LSU so I think that the trade-back scenarios are interesting, and I just want to go back to the other round, similar to what we did with the trade-up. Mm. I think maybe in the second round, see, this is what's unfortunate about uh, a tiebreaker in terms of record and strength of schedule, because the Jets in the first round, to their advantage, they finished 7-9. and nine. They, Their strength of schedule, the way that it, it panned out with the other teams that finished 7-9, and nine, they're the first 7-9 and nine team to be selecting at 11. And in the second round, they're the last because it flipped. So let's say they miss out on a string of players that they believe would have been worthy of the 48th pick. Maybe they trade back and collect another third round pick or another fourth round pick, considering that the third and fourth rounds of this draft are so deep and you could find day one contributors, if not day one starters in those rounds. All right. So awesome point. The thing that we have to keep in mind when we go back to 11 is that not every first-round pick is equal. Meaning, when the Jets finalize that draft board, Greens, they might have 14 players that have actual first-round grades assignment. They could have 17 first-rounders on their board. So 1 through 32, the weight is not the same. Much like the same in the second round. An early second rounder is a lot different than a late second rounder. And you're talking about how the Jets early on, one of those teams at seven and nine, first round, it helps them. Second round, they're a little bit further back, of course. So uh, I love the position they're in with the two third rounders. Because I, there's so much you can do with a pair of threes. There really are. You can go up, potentially get in a high two. You could sit there on day three, have those threes, and then trade 
maybe somebody wants one of those and they're going to give you a two and maybe that's a team who's rebuilding or struggling or whatever a two next year um there's a lot of values there's a lot of value there in the pair of threes uh but right now sitting there at 48 um the other thing you got to keep in mind is you can't just go need, need, need. And Joe Douglas is not going to be uh, forcing anything. You got to, especially when you start getting later in the draft, what's the best value? How's a guy going to help you? Um, so, uh, it, you know, it'd be interesting that the three, one of those threes can get you up higher in the second round. There's no doubt about that. Do you want to do that? Or in a draft that has great depth at receiver, great depth at running back, Great depth at a few other positions. Do you want to hang on to that pair for day three? Uh, you're going to have options. You're certainly going to have options. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, I think it'll be interesting to see if and where Joe Douglas and the Jets decide to trade up or back. I think to to what you were saying before, it does seem more likely that it wouldn't happen around the 11th pick if they decide to trade up, but more so in rounds two and three, maybe even the back end of the first round. But again, draft coverage really ramping up here on all of our platforms and particularly the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. EA, thanks a lot. Thanks to Olivia and Steve Weich again, and we'll talk again tomorrow.